Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. We're so glad that you're here. Listen, we're so glad that you're here. We believe that God has something for you. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap real quick. Come on, listen. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for being at our night service. Come on, spring break? What? That's what I'm talking about, you guys. Y'all supposed to be on vacation. No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're uh, here. And, and, and listen, I, I just really do believe that God is going to do something, come on, in, in your life. Like you didn't waste your time. I believe that God's going to download a, a concept, a thought to you that's really like going to help you. I, I, I do. I believe that we've been praying and I believe that this is going to help you. Um, I, I don't know about you, but how many of you like study history? You study, you know, uh, maybe famous people or people who wrote something or did something pretty significant and you're like, wow, like how many of you are amazed by amazing lives? You know, it's just like, man, to be able to jump that high, to make that shot, to write that speech, to, to be in that moment in history, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, to be on a rocket that goes to the moon, I mean, it's like, that's amazing. You know, I don't know about you, like, like is there anything like that you feel like, man, this is just amazing? And, and, I, and I will tell you this. That especially in our culture of everybody on Instagram and comparing everybody else's lives, it's very easy to think that other people are living incredible lives, but not me. And here's what I want you to know. The Bible says that God is no respecter of person, and that means that all of his word, if it is digested and applied to our life, it will break off anything that would try to hold us back. And we ourselves can step into an amazing life. An amazing life. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, um, that, that God will give each one of us what each one of us have. Listen, we all have purposes and plans and unique things because of our personality and how he created us. But the reality is his word works with every personality, with every background, with every brokenness. Like it just, come on, listen, it works. We are in a sermon series called That Amazing Day. And we are talking about First Thessalonians. We're actually in our fourth uh, kind of teaching lesson. So we're in chapter four right now. So if you're like, man, this is my first time. Well, you can go back. You can listen to it. This sermon series has been a little bit deeper. So we like to do three or four deep dives a year. Uh, our next one will be Ephesians. But, but, but we realize the reason we do this is because everyone is in a different season. And some people are ready to, to grow and apply and write and, and, and learn. And we want you on your edge of your seat. Listen, I talked to this guy today and he was like, man, I hardly ever take notes. And I took like seven pages. You know, and I was like, good. You know, like I'm, I'm excited about that. But then on the flip side, um, I want to be biblically astute. I want to study to show ourselves approved. That's what the Bible says. I want us to learn how to digest meat and not just stay on milk. But we also know that we want your, 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 your friends to be able to come in. And we don't know where they are in their walk. 
So sometimes we do things that, you know, are not as deep. And sometimes we go deeper. Does it make sense? If you're new to the water, three feet is deep. If you don't know how to swim, three feet is deep. But if you've been swimming your whole life, you're like 16 feet. <laughs> like you're like in it. You're like, this is great in here. Yeah, and so we do different sermon series based on, listen, where people are at. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church. And let me just say this. I am, uh, this chapter, I know you probably read it today. But, but this chapter deals with... Um, uh, sex. And so there are some concepts that we are going to talk about. So if you have young kids in here and, and you don't want them to hear it from me, then uh, we have kids uh, church, kids in the house available. And if you're good, then come on, uh, this is going to be one you don't fall asleep for. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! All right, let's pray. God, well, we love you and we ask you to move in only the ways that you can in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul suggests in his letter that we should pursue holy living. That there is an amazing life, listen, for all of us. And as we open it, Paul is writing as one who has authority. So the first three chapters... The first three chapters of Thessalonians, Paul is looking backwards and he's talking about the adversity, the conflict, the persecution. He's like, man, y'all remember when it got rough, like it got for real, real here and I had to leave and there was this scuffle and there was this issue and there was a high drama. And so Paul unpacks all that. And, and I think that it is interesting that for Paul to move forward... He has to first start backwards. He begins to write about what everybody already knew. And so here's the deal. Sometimes when God wants to move you forward, he's going to have you go backwards just a little bit. There are some things that he's going to be like, listen, we need to take that from your heart. Hey, you know what? Your soul needs to, we need to fix that. We need to, we need to begin to touch that. I need to be able to walk back and go, you know what? This was actually something harmful that happened in your life. And I want to talk about it. I want to deal with it. I want to touch it, not so that I uncover you, but so I can heal you. But in chapter 4, he begins to talk about the future. And there's this... This dramatic contrast from the first three chapters to the fourth. And now Paul is like, we're looking forward. Yo, it's about the future. Jesus is coming. And immediately there's this huge shift. And he's only now talking about the future. And here's what I want to tell you. Some of you in the house tonight. While it is very important that we address some things that may be holding you back in your past, there has to become a moment when we stop rehearsing what happened in our past and look forward to the wonderful, amazing things that God has for us in the future. And here's what I'm telling you, Ed. It comes down to this. It's going to be this really deep choice. Paul made a choice that we're not going to live here and as the authority of a father, as a father in the faith, we're moving toward the future and we're going to focus our eyes on when Jesus returns. We're going to focus our eyes on what God's about to do and we're going to build, listen, this amazing life and we're going to be looking, listen, forward. 
remember, this was, this, all this happened in the midst of persecution and affliction. And it, I mean, it was crazy. Here's one verse that I think encapsulates everything that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to give you one verse and one point to kind of encapsulate everything. And then we're going to read the whole chapter, okay? All right. Uh, kind of look at someone and say, this is going to be really good. Uh, look at somebody else and say, it's probably going to be better than next week, last week. It's, going to be, it's probably going to be better than last week. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Here it is. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Come on, we're all going to be like Mike. And so, we will always be with the Lord. Man, I don't know what happened in your past. I don't know if there was abandonment. I don't know if it was brokenness. I don't know if there was busyness. I don't know what hurdles and hang-ups have been there. But I need you to know that God is not waiting for you to get it all together. He has a plan to take you with Him. He has a plan, listen, to do life with you for the rest of your life. And if you let Jesus be the Lord of your life, come on, we're going to run deep, we're going to run hard, and we're going to run long. Okay, here's the major takeaway for tonight. The amazing life happens when we live ready for the future. You've got to live ready for the future. And listen, there are some actions, there are some attitudes, there are some ways of living that if we are not careful, we actually hinder where we could be in our tomorrow. You know, what we do today, listen, it, it matters. And so my assignment today is the amazing life. And out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to give you four major insights to living an amazing life. You ready? Come on, you ready? All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Look at this. Finally then, brothers, we ask you, we urge you, in the Lord Jesus that you received from us how you ought to walk and please the Lord. Just as you are doing, that you would do it, look at this, more and more. For you know what instructions we gave to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the first uh, insight from this letter is, listen, if we're going to live an amazing life, then we have to keep a life-giving attitude. Right off the bat, Paul's like, let me check your attitude. You know, like the old prophet said, you better check yourself. Come on, somebody, before you wreck yourself. Listen, hey, listen. Here's what he says. I pray that you abound more and more. In other words, where you're at, you can keep going. Where you're at, listen, you can keep going. Here is this idea. We don't read the Bible and, 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 and come to church because we want to kind of get um, like the spiritual concepts in us so that they will just hold us for the rest of our life. I meet many, many people now as a pastor who had an incredible God moment when they were 12, 16, 18, 20, 30. But here's what I want you to know is that God moment, that incredible moment, that moment that happened in your dad and your mom and your family, your granny and whoever, that is one of many moments 
That's not just, listen, that's not just one moment. That's one moment to begin to stir your faith and move you to the next level. Because the truth of the matter is, we all change. I'm not the same guy I was when I was 10. You know what I'm saying? There's a big difference between from 10 to 20, from 20 to 30, from 30 to 40, from 40. Come on. And the truth of the matter is, as we begin to go through life, when I'm 10 and I'm listening to the word, I'm like, be nice to my brother and sister and don't, don't hurt them. Be obedient to my parents. Treat people with honor and dignity and respect. And that's like, that's what I'm dealing with. And I'm trying to forgive some folks along the way. When I get to 20, it's a totally different, come on. I need a totally different word. I'm grown. Let me tell you, all y'all need to get off me. Y'all need to worry about me. And I'm like, God, okay, teachability, submission, okay. And then I get 30. I get married. Come on, somebody. I'm in 30s, 30s, 35. Get married. Start having these kids. And, I, and, and, you know, it's so cute. Come on, people are walking down the aisle. And they're, like, so happy. And the bride's, like, gleaming. And the groom's, like, gleaming. And everybody's so excited. And I know that they know that they had no, no. They don't know what's about to happen because it's about to get real. You know what I'm saying? After the, the dress rehearsal, come on, somebody. After the wedding cake is over, it's going to get real. And you can now come into church listening to the word of God. You, you need to help me because I'm going to, I'm telling you, I'm, it's, it's con- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. I'm just telling you, if he does this one more time, he, uh, he cannot put his shoes up. He cannot. And so I need a word of God because there's a storm up in me. And, it, and, it, and if we don't sing peace be still, it's going to get really real up in here, okay? Listen, then all of a sudden, you have all these kids. And you're like, oh, 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 Jesus. Thank you for all of these wonderful vessels of love that leave every light on. That turn the air condition down. And plug a heater on in their room. And I need some Jesus to help me. Come on, somebody. Not wreck my own home that I created. Listen, is it, hey. And so now you're receiving totally different. Then all of a sudden, you're praying. Come on, you're about 45, maybe in your 50s. And you, you see the window of opportunity. They're all leaving. And you've been praying for it for years. And finally the last one leaves and it's quiet. And you're like, <laughs> I just want to mess again. I just want, somebody come mess up my home, please. You know, it's like, it's like I, I don't even, what, what good is a full bowl of cereal if nobody's here to steal it? You know, it's, like, it's like, and so now you're sitting in the work and you're learning all over again what God has. And then finally your kids get married and you move into the grandparent stage. And listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. I wanted to start there. They just told me I couldn't. Like that's where I wanted to start. And so you're finally in this grandparent stage and you've got all these things and you got finally got, come on somebody, a little bit of money to really do what you wish you would have done for your own kids. And finally, you, you're ready to serve your kids like bacon every Saturday and your son and daughter-in-law come in and say, we don't do bacon. We're vegan. 
We have a special diet. And we're raising our children differently. And you're like, oh, I need some Jesus. You better, you better take me to church. Because you feel like I did pretty good raising you. And you, like, you believe that for like 20 years. And then the, when you say that to your kids, there's a pause. And you're like, I will end you still. Come on. I took a long time to say, whatever season that you're in, you still need the word. Because you're always changing. You're always developing. Paul informs us that Christian maturity is never finished on this side of eternity. No matter how far you've come in love, no matter how far you've come, come on, listen, in holiness, you can still learn more. We don't want to be religious. We want to have a relationship. We don't want our worship to be an exercise. We want it to be an experience. Come on, somebody. We don't want to claim Jesus as Savior, but forget how much we need salvation. Come on, listen. It's very easy, and it can shift just like that in our life. We don't want to just walk with Jesus come on in this society with all the philosophies that change I've been alive I'm 46 years old I will celebrate 47 years in August and here's the thing I'm excited I'm alive yeah that's good I'm excited you are too listen but here's the thing is I have seen every 10 years there's a new major philosophy there's something new that the whole world needs to know about there's a new philosophy. This is the most important thing. Come on, I was alive when we just wanted to free Willie. Come on, how many of y'all? Come on, how many of y'all were? You know what I'm saying? Like we, you just went to the ocean and went, y'all leave it. Leave the water. Be safe somewhere else. <laughs> the point is, I'm trying to stay hooked on it, y'all. I don't even know how hard this is. Is that Paul tells us that he, he, he asked them, he urged them, and then he modeled for them. So here's what we need to understand about staying um, in the right attitude. As my kids started under five, so we had four under five. Come on, my wife is like sainthood. It's cool. Um, and we would teach them every night. In fact, we just had this moment in our house. And we were like, you know what we did for y'all? Y'all don't even remember this. Maybe you remember this. But we like sang to you. Like your dad sang to you. Mom sang to you. All of you had a song. Like we did our deal. It was cool. And so every night was family night. Every night. Okay. Well, we were teaching them how to have a correct attitude. No, we do this. No, we say this. Now, here's what happened is around 13, 14, and 15, they started coming up with these attitudes. And I was like, <laughs> and my wife would be like, <laughs> and I would be like, <laughs> okay, that one's you. <laughs> Listen, here's the concept is Paul understood that attitude is both taught and caught. 
And here's the deal. If we're going to keep a life-giving attitude, you're going to have to allow yourself to be in proximity with people that are close enough to ask you. That are close enough to urge you. Come on. We live in a non-urging society. How dare you urge me? You don't even know me. You don't know all the issues going on in my life. If you don't want to be urged, this might not be the church for you. Because Paul says he urges, so we fixing to urge. Come on. And then he begins to say we modeled. And so the attitudes that we should keep is teachability. The attitudes that we should keep is applying what you have seen and what you have heard because we want to keep growing. Our culture is led by feelings. And it is so easy to allow our heart to grow cold, our attitudes over time to change. And Paul says that we are not led by our emotions, but we are led by faith. And we want to keep, listen, a life-giving attitude. The amazing life comes for, listen, as we begin to live for the future. The attitude that you possess today is taking you somewhere tomorrow. Paul starts out by saying, let's check your attitude. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 8. For this is the will of God. You know, how many of y'all have ever thought, God, what's your will? He's going to tell you. Most of the time when God tells us his will, we're like, mm, is there anybody else we can ask? Because he's about to tell us what his will is. Here it is. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control your own body, because it is not a wonderland. It is a temple. Come on, son. <laughs> <laughs> that was way better than what y'all are giving me credit for don't make me sing the song up here listen okay listen to this in holiness and in honor in holiness and in honor I want to bring those out we'll talk about that in a second not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God in other words our life should look different than the people who haven't submitted their life to the Lord. Now I'm going to keep reading this. And here's what I need you to know. Paul wrote this. And I think there's a reason that Paul wrote it. And I want to talk about it. But if I'm going to step into this moment. Here's what we're going to have to set some ground rules. Okay. Ground rule number one. I ain't talking about you. So stop thinking that. What did you hear? Did you know? Do you? Well, they go, oh my God, my God, my God, my God. Nah. Paul wrote this to a brand new church, and the church had been established for three weeks. Now, I've gone to a lot of church planning conferences, and in the four chapters that Paul has started the church, I'm like, man, I just need to preach the, these 10 things when we start our next church, because everybody's going to leave, and the people who are left, come on, let's do something, because... Look, let's not wait five years to offend you. Let's just jump on in it. There is reasons why talking about sex, tithe, these things are uncomfortable. 
Because, here's the thing, is because A, we don't have a really good view on what God says about it, and we've already messed up. And here's the deal. God would not have told you to pursue purity if you had already messed it up and you couldn't do it. God redeemed me, God's redeemed you, and we are all covered by the same blood. And there is nobody greater and there is nobody lesser. Does that make sense? And so you just need to know that what I'm hoping for is not shame. I don't want shame. I don't want you to feel convicted. I don't want you to feel this, I mean, uh, 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 condemned. I don't want this long finger me pointing it to you. But I do want the conviction of the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you and go, you know what, let me, let me think about this. Just like Paul said, I want you to think about it. Here's the next reason that touching on the sex issue is difficult. is because there are people even in this service that have been abused by somebody. Either taken advantage of and it brings back all of this emotion. And here's what I'm telling you. You're going to have to allow me as your pastor to navigate this without feeling shame. Because my goal is not to uncover you. My goal is to prepare you. Does this make sense? My goal is to unleash the calling of God on your life so that you can live an amazing life. Chapter 5. Not in the passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter. Isn't it weird that he uses that terminology? Like what you do with your sex actually affects somebody else. Wow. Come on, look at this. Because the Lord is an avenger. See, y'all didn't even know. I'm sorry. I, I live with a 10-year-old. When it said avenger, I was like, that's cool. Uh, didn't see him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, all right. In all of these things, as we are told, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, like, so here's what I'm saying. Like Paul wrote, whoever disregards this, you can totally disregard everything that I said. But if you disregard it, you're not disregarding what man said. You're actually disregarding what God thinks. And he's the one who gave you the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that wants to see you totally change your life. Come on, does this make sense? Okay, so let's talk about it. Paul uses the word sanctification. There are two theological words that you will hear in church. Justification and sanctification. Justification is the moment someone surrenders their life to Christ. And it is the moment that they become right with God. You've been justified. This is when God, through Jesus, finishes the work and severs your past. Like, you don't have to walk around in shame no more. And when the enemy tells you, well, they don't know who you are. Well, they don't know what you did. Well, they don't know this. Well, they don't know this. That is when you begin to bring up, I've been justified under the blood. My old stuff has been passed away. And now I am a new creation. And it doesn't matter. And here's what I'm telling you. That goes for the offended and the offender. I do believe we'll probably get to heaven and go, why are you there? 
because we spent all life hating you. If we believe in God's supernatural justification, this means we don't work for it. That means we just receive it, we submit to it, and God gives it to us, and he crowns us. Does that make sense? That's justification. Sanctification is what he talked about, and it is the process of forming Christ-likeness in our life. This is called transformation. You hear us talk about this a lot. It is a lifelong process, and it is how we work out the Christian life in our life. It's how we work it out. And so this is both a partnership of his grace and our own personal disciplines. It's both of them. So let's talk about this. The second insight that Paul gives us is that we've got to value purity by pursuing holiness and honor. Paul tells us to abstain from sexual immorality. Paul is starting the first abstinence program. And he is saying, let's talk. Why is he doing this? Because the church had just formed. And here's what Paul knew. We're going to get a group of people together. They're going to start meeting regularly. And there's going to be this guy. And he's going to be like, hey. And then there's going to be, man. Hi. And we're going to need to talk about this before it gets too crazy. Come on, does that make sense? So why, we're going to teach everything, and we're going to teach how to grow. Come on, listen, in faith. Today, my heart is to tell you the why that Paul would talk about this. When believers engage in sexual immorality, it hurts their body. Why? Because the Bible says that your body is a temple, listen, of the Lord. A temple of the Lord. Think about this in this way. That your body, our body, the human flesh is so important that Jesus came inside it. You ain't leftovers. Stop looking at the mirror and being upset that you got a freckle in a place you wish you hadn't. You're a temple. And the Holy Spirit of God, listen, rests inside of you. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we're not going to go there, but if you want to just write this down, you can go there and look at it. But God creates man, puts him in the garden, and Saul actually said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he saw man and he said, you ain't, you ain't good. <laughs> and, and, and here's what he did. He said, you need a comparable helper. You need someone to do life with. And it is not good, listen, that you are alone. And out of man, literally, surgery in the garden... Adam, boom, rib, here comes a woman, yo. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it, this, is, this is how it went down. Okay. And the Bible says, listen, that they were naked and unashamed. Come on, somebody. Hey. And listen, in the context of union and marriage, it is okay. And maybe you saw some abuses with sex. But here's what I need you to know, that God needs to heal that in your life so that your relationship, listen, will continue to thrive. The Genesis account is not about man. Listen, it's about God. 
It's about God. And, and I need to tell you this so that you understand why God created sex. Here, here's the thing is I'm just going to say sex really like emphasis because the, every time I do, people go. <laughs> okay, I want to give you three things real quick that you need to know. God provided everything for man. When I say everything, everything. And the enemy has always come against the three things that God has created. What did God create? God created a place of safety. He created a garden. There were no enemies. The weather was not there. There were no tornadoes. There were no twisters. There was nothing to inhibit Adam from doing what God had called him to do. It was a perfect environment. We actually believe that there is no safety. We vote for safety. We think that if we have enough money, we can be safe. And the enemy is always in our ear. And we are always trying to amass safety. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is a strong tower. And those who run to him, those who hide up under his wing, those who run to him are safe and I want to tell you that you aren't safe just because you have a 401k you are not face safe because you have a degree come on somebody you are not you are safe because you you hide in God come on the second thing is this God provided a purpose for man's life a purpose what evolution has done to our society over the last 30 or 40 years is we have indoctrinated young people to actually believe that something billions of years ago combusted and happened and now this this combustion happened and it created life and the life created you and the idea is you're nothing special we're just all an accident. We're lucky we're even here. That's the line that evolution plays. The issue for Christianity has been that sometimes we're scared of science. And can I tell you that we're not scared of science. God created it. We believe in evolution within species, but we don't believe a gas bubble billions of years ago can create life. We believe that you were intentionally and strategically designed by God and there was a creator and if God created you, then you have to have, come on, say it, it starts with a P, a purpose. The phone in your hand was created and had a, come on, purpose. You never create something and go, I don't know what it is. I used to think I could draw. How many of y'all ever drew and you were like, I don't even know what it is, but we're doing something. And your teacher was like, what is that? You're like, huh? What do you think it is? <laughs> like some of us, that's actually how we believe God did it. Like, Dang it. I don't know. I picked up some dust and blew on it and I created them. That's not how God did it. Come on, listen. It was intentional. And so man's purpose, and so maybe you heard this and I want to switch your, your I just want to help you be biblically accurate maybe you grew up in church and the children's church people said you know what you were created to worship God and that is not true the angels were created to worship God like they're in heaven locking down holy 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 like holy holy like forever eternity like they're up there singing oh, all the time God created the angels 
to worship God and they're singing. And they're singing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, here's the thing. God created you, man, to cultivate. And what you produce and how you live your life is worship to God. Okay, what was man's job? To name all the animals. Have you, do you even, some of y'all like, I wish I could have had that name. No, some, I'm just going to be honest. I'm, 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 I'm going to vent a little bit because I haven't been in the flesh, but now I'm just going to be there for like 30 seconds. Some of y'all have terrible pet names. Like some of y'all, you, you, I'm so glad you did not name all the animals because you like have a dog named Bob. Like it's a, you're absolutely, this is terrible, terrible pet name people. Like some of you like just need to go to school. Like you need to pick an online. You need to pick an online name. You think you're creative, but you're not. Nobody calls their cat Larry. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Adam was a zoologist. He, he, biology. He studied. He studied what they did. And he said, you hop in the grass. <laughs> you must be a grass Hopper! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know why he so. I, I don't know why he said elephant. I don't know why. I would have said big trunky thing, uh, but but again, that was not my job. My point is that God had a purpose. Listen, for Adam, and he was a cultivator. You name it, he was entrusted with the garden. To work it and to keep it. He was told to be fruitful and multiply. The first one was a place. The second one was a purpose. The third one that God created, listen, was provision. Provision. And so in the garden, God said, of all of this fruit, you can eat except for the tree of non-knowledge of good and evil. And so all of this, what was the fruit produced? In other words, it was your provision, and you can eat this, and you're going to live. Woman was created. Listen, how was Adam going to multiply? Grasshopper. <laughs> I mean, like how was... Adam going to multiply, like can we just like take it for real? Like how was Adam going to really multiply? But God said this is not good because I don't want you to internally multiply because I'm creating you in my image. And in our own image there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I need you to be kind of a type and shadow of how to do life together. So God, we go, now get ready, we go in Dun, dun, dun. Listen, God created man, okay? Here's man with your little swooshy hair. Come on. Eyes looking good, okay? And then we got Miss Thing over here, Eve, okay? And with, with, her, with her little long hair. She got weird eyes. I'm sorry, Eve. All right. Eve, be a little happier. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Uh, so, all right. Here we go. So, we're, uh, we're talking about uh, sexual uh, morality. So, let's cover everybody up. I'm sorry. Modest is hottest. Okay. All right. All right. So, <laughs> uh, 
Okay, I know. It's the night service. This is what you get. Sorry. If you want professional, I do a suit. I, I dress up, and it's a whole lot better in the first service. I'm just kidding. Actually, this is the best service. It's my favorite. Okay. Okay. Thank you, seven of you. I, I actually do feel better right now. Okay. Here's the thing. When man and woman came together, okay, God took woman from man. And then he said, I want you to come back together and I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And God knew that Adam could not have had dominion without creating cultivators. Does that make sense? People who are going to raise up and take ground and raise up and take ground. And so here's the thing. When a man and woman have sex, then they are once again in union. And they are one. God in the Bible says, do not awaken love till it's time. Because the truth of the matter is, this is not just physical, this is spiritual. So when union happens, it affects, listen, your mind, it affects your heart, it affects your body, and it affects your soul. Here's what happens. Our world is indoctrinating. Young people saying that, listen, listen, you should feel good about your sexuality. You should feel this. And you know what? But here's what we know is God created sex to create cultivators so that we would then be in union and all of this was going to be whole. Your mind, your heart, your body, your soul. When we actually begin... To have other lovers, people in our life that we begin to do relationship, our soul system, this whole thing begins to connect with each one. Every one of them. And so now we have people that can't get images and thoughts and moments out of their head and they cannot move on in relationships and they're replaying things in their mind because of something they saw. That's why Jesus said to even look on a woman is lustful and it will begin you on a road that will produce something, listen, that will break you. It will hurt you. That's why pornography is so dangerous for girls and guys. And we think we can do it secretly or, or we think that it doesn't matter or whatever. But I'm telling you that this was a spiritual act of multiplication. Sex inside of marriage is sacred and holy and emotional and delightful Come on, and is good. And we don't ever want any young people in our church to hear sex is bad. <laughs> no, it ain't. The devil is a lie. It's good. Listen, 
when it's right. But listen to me. After 30 years of ministry, it's really bad when it's not. And I have had more than my fair share of men and women crying over brokenness because we tried to step into something that God wanted you to wait and protect you in. So here comes the real question. Why do we not want to wait? And why does our world say it doesn't matter if you wait? And why do we want to see something and do something? Come on, come on. We're in a, in a culture that, I mean, Netflix, Hulu, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can't even walk into an apartment store. Listen, Victoria lost her secret a long time ago. Like, 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 like hey, everybody. Here's the thing. Is, is when, when, when this happens, the enemy has always wanted us to leap. Think about Jesus. When Jesus was about to start his ministry, the enemy wanted him to leap and pass the cross. When we don't wait, it is because we don't trust. We, we, we actually believe that we're going to miss it. We actually believe it's going to leave us. We actually believe, come on. And here's what I need you to know. Every guy and every girl, listen, it ain't a thing without a ring. I'm just telling you. And I, and I need you to know this. Listen, I'm not saying that you don't feel love. And I'm not saying that your feelings aren't real. They are. But I am saying to this, you've got to make a decision. And either you'll do it now. Or you'll do it later with your kids. Or you'll do it at some time. But you cannot grow if you don't trust. Does this make sense? And so for us, here's the thing. When we bypass this and we don't wait and we fill our own needs. Because we trust ourselves and we trust what's right in us then that opens the door to all of the things that we are dealing with right now. Sex outside of marriage, pornography, pedophilia, casual sex, homosexuality, adultery, masturbation. All of these things are harmful and they still honor. Because then we move into molestation, rape, human trafficking. Come on. Because when it's unbridled, we just keep taking more. And so here is what my challenge is to us as a church. We want to pursue, listen, purity. And, and most times when I talk about sex, the guys look down because you think I'm talking to you. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to the men. I'm talking to the women. Because now the culture is shifted and everybody's hungry. Truth is, we want to honor people. And we want to make sure that when we date, we don't leave a scar with someone's husband or someone's wife. And this is how the church grows. Come on, does that make sense? I don't want to be a church that when people break up, everybody's got to switch churches. Because people are getting voted off the island. 
Come on, does that, come on, help me. Everybody hear me? Come to I'm, y'all, I feel like this is too real for y'all. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. All right. Now concerning brotherly love. Y'all did really good, by the way. Give yourself a hand. Good job. Thank you for going through that. Good job. Church sex ed. All right. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need to write. I have no need to write to you for yourselves. Have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing with all the brothers in Macedonia. But we urge you, there's urge again, brothers, to do this more and more. To aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on. Hey, listen, what I said, mind your business. <laughs> and to work with your hands as we instructed you. That you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Words, you take care of your stuff, and if you're 30, stop having your parents raise you. Come on, somebody, hey. Listen. I, 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 don't, I, I, I think I've already said a lot tonight. So let me say this again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's the thing. Way too many people are nosy. Way too many people are up in everybody's business. And I just need to tell you, listen, Paul says more and more. In other words, listen, here's the third insight. We got to choose harmony. You got to choose harmony. And how do you choose harmony? You aspire to live quietly. Everyone does not need to know what you think. Everyone does not need to know what you do. And everyone does not need to know how you feel. Come on, somebody. You can be quiet about some things. You don't need to be braggadocious. You don't need to be boastful. You don't need to be like, how y'all doing? Listen, quiet it down just a little bit. Because you're, you're causing dissension. It says, mind your own affairs. The amazing life is too busy looking toward the future than trying to know everybody's past. Come on. For us, we do a lot of mentoring here. We do a lot of coaching. And so sometimes we're going to ask hard questions. There's a huge difference between teaching and prying. Teaching is giving instruction and accountability because we believe great things are in you. Prying is just want to know your private matters so that we can know. Listen. Christians aren't the town gossips. Christians aren't talking about everybody else's life and everybody else's issues. Christians, listen, aren't busybodies. The, the next one it says is that Christians, listen, well, this is how we choose harmony. Work hard. That's what Paul says. Work hard. There have been more people frustrated in church over a business deal, over someone who felt like they lied and misquoted something. Here's the thing. The amazing life has to be built. Just because you're a believer does not mean that you're also not a builder. Busybodies are constantly distracted with what they've got going on and they miss opportunities because they're looking at everybody else. Listen, how we work, how we bid a job, how we finish deadlines, how we conduct business, all of that is going to be known to outsiders. And listen, as a Christian... We should do it different. Come on, most of us are working at home. Don't 
tell your boss you're giving them eight hours when you're giving them three. Work hard. Show up early. Stay late. Get it done. How we work matters. Do the job. Build trust over a long period of time. Choose harmony because the amazing life comes, listen, as we live for the future. My last thought is this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, we're all going together. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven and there will be a cry of command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet. That was a really bad trumpet. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Is that Weird that he ends it that way. Like, if you're going to encourage me, Garrett, you need to say something like, Pastor Stephen, have you lost a couple pounds? That's my go-to. Pastor Stephen, I know you're almost 47, but you look like a Sprice 33. Pastor Stephen, you play basketball like a young man, and you are a baller. Like, that's what I want to hear. But if I said to you, hey, Addison, hey, listen, Jesus is coming. What'd that do for you? Come on. Up. And he, so here's the dangerous part. Is for many believers, it does nothing. When really, this is everything. See, there are two extremes when you start talking about eschatology, which is just end times. And what this means is there are some people that are so end time savvy that they're like every news clipping is another end time prophecy. They already have assessed who the Antichrist is. And generally, it's the opposing political party. And I would say if that's your camp, you're a little extreme. I would also say on the other side, if you can come to church, the Bible says to discern the times, to know where we're at. And if you're living like there is no end, that Paul writes three things in the end of this text. He talks about Jesus' return. He talks about the resurrection. And he talks about the reunion. And, and this is huge for all of us to know because the truth is there's going to be a trumpet. He's going to split the sky. It's going to be powerful and we're all going to whoosh and it's going to be incredible. And you need to live like the clock is ticking down because you don't know when it's all going to be over. 
that puts a little urgency in you. The resurrection, what he's talking about with all the dead bodies and stuff. Some of y'all kind of fell asleep during that. I almost did too when I was reading it. But, but here's basically what that means. Is the Bible says to when we die and our body is buried, to be absent of our body is to be instantly present with God. So souls are in heaven right now, okay? Is that cool? Everybody got that? But Jesus is saying that when I return, if they are a believer, I'm going to rob the graves. In other words, bones aren't going to stay. You're going to be reunited. We're going to leave in a twinkling of an eye, and you're going to leave clothes there, and we're all going to be in heaven, and all of a sudden, whoosh, you're going to see people that you're like, what, crazy? Like, like Jesus is not leaving anything here. And so I need to talk to you. Some of you, that is incredible hope. Because here's what that means. Jesus doesn't leave anybody behind. For those that have made a decision of faith. Come on. That grandma, wife, baby. There will be a day. And all the dead will rise. Come on, somebody. And the, and, and the last thing that Paul says is, I need to leave y'all with some hope. Like, I need to leave you, listen, with some hope. you got to stay in hope. John 14, 3 says, Jesus said this, And if I go to pre- prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. And there where I go, you coming also, baby. We all going. And here's what I need you to know. Don't forget, the amazing life lives for the future. Man, y'all go ahead and come up. Since the church's inception, it was built on the finished work of Christ. And we are to reflect His life. The church is not to make decisions like the world. We are to battle our holiness now i want to i want to i want to just end this real quick i just want to end this real quick let's talk a little bit okay and um when we begin to talk about deep spiritual principles like we're pulling out there are two things that either people are under a legalistic mentality and i'm going to explain it or they have a um, liberalism, a, 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 a mentality that says, listen to this, that all of God's principles and standards are flexible and replaceable, and it doesn't really matter. Liberalism. Legalism says, it's kind of a conservative approach to right and wrong and and you know what it says it forgoes care and compassion and only focuses on what's right but we forget that we follow the law so that we can do right to our brothers and sisters like I follow what's right so I can give care and I can give compassion and I can give these things and so as a church sure I want you to go figure out what you're going to do with what I just said But I don't want you judging people who walk in the door because they haven't made that decision yet. 
we're going to be loving. We're going to tell the truth. We're going to give people time. And we're going to let, listen, 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 listen. We're going to let the Holy Spirit let people cross thresholds. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.